0: Ever need something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So, check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com beargrease to learn more.
1: I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill.
0: My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease Podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease Podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore.
2: Nobody cares if I'm making any noise. (laughs) <laughs> uh, your, your headset's turned on I feel on like actually. a fourth wheel in here <laughs> You feel like what? A fourth wheel
0: No
3: No a Josh A fourth wheel turns a tricycle
2: into a bike. No Josh you're,
0: you're more like a spare <laughs> <laughs> Kind of like
2: Right on the back the of the The bald Jeep. spare <laughs> When Brent falls off I just slide <laughs> it right. into place.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, Man So we're running, this is, like a, this is like a skeleton crew, the Bear Grease. We've got four folks here. Skeleton. We have a, maybe one of the best starts. mystery guests of all time, though, on the, on the Bear Grease Render. Could For be. For real. So I got Brent here. Hey, buddy. I got Josh Lambridge, Spillmaker. Uh, here. A, a key. Who sounds like a humpback whale? It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> here. Turn it. it needs, this you, way? You got it. Yeah, yeah. Is that better? Could get it turn, out of your nose. Say something now. Something now. <laughs> or give us the snort. <laughs> My nose is pretty big. Pull it pull it out like this. Right there? Yeah, that's
2: snort. it. This
3: is the first time I've ever done this. Okay. L- let's
2: hear your snort. <laughs> These wow, are, nice. are, are <laughs> <much noise>. <laughs> noisy. <laughs> <laughs> There's
3: no way to get it anywhere. Sorry, uh, Phil. I'm sorry.
0: You're like a like a mule. These I have are like a, the
4: Britney Spears circa mid two thousands like heads, you know what I mean? Boom, yeah, Mike, I really like that it's very <laughs> You're nice. like Garth
0: Brooks. Yeah, right. <laughs> so when I'm when I'm riding a mule, I have a mechanism that I can use, a physical mechanism I can use to to tell how how worked up they are, how much physical energy they're exerting, and how close they are to their maximum output. And My Peloton do does the same thing. Your, yeah, it's just like probably a lot like your Peloton. Nostril flare. <laughs> when you really I'll I'll look at a mule's nose, and if his nose is just kind of like slightly pulsating, it's like, oh, he's got a lot more. Put the spurs to him. Yep. You know, let's go up the mountain. When they get to just like when 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 the when the nostrils are flaring out like getting like a half to three quarters of an inch bigger than usual, and they're moving at like one inflation per second like
2: That maxed out
0: maybe give him a break maybe
4: <laughs> you're hitting rev limiter on your mule yeah yeah that's like
0: <laughs> that's like pushing it to like 4500 rpm yeah right? there you go there you go yeah yeah so mystery guest we have here today is the crabber himself Luke McFadden he is a crabber he and I, and I ain't no crabber you ain't no crabber i ain't no mule skinner well, you're, you're more good, of a man. mule skinner than I'm a crabber, because you rode a mule yeah, right, yesterday yeah, right. for probably eight That's or right. nine miles.
4: Yeah. It was yeah. awesome. How'd it go? It was great. No problems was at all. Is that your really? first time riding a mule? It was my first time riding
2: any... Any equine animal? Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, I watched the video. I thought it was pretty solid.
4: Yeah. Yeah. He did good.
2: Yeah.
4: Were you, uh, were you nervous at all? Not really, to be honest, because... That's what I, I don't him know a good why. Driver. I think I'm just maybe I'm a little too dumb to be nervous. It just looked uh, about that situation. It just seemed uh, they seemed nice enough. You know what I mean? I thought, yeah. All right. I trust them. Trust but, these you know, guys.
3: You get thrown out of a off a mule. All you got to do is get up and get back on him. You get thrown out of a boat. Then you got to swim. Yeah, it's hold a whole your thing. It's got a whole hold do a whole lot of. Now other we stuff. could
0: we could get into a debate on the debate on like which one would be worse. I'm trying yeah. to give
3: him his props, man. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, true story the uh I told Luke about a story of a young man that rode with me the other day that had like a zero like if they on the scale of one to ten of just knowledge of equine animals like he would be like minus one, and <laughs> which end is the he was years old so, he yeah yeah he <laughs> he was like, shouldn't his feet be pointed hey. upwards and not right on his belly he he was so and I'm going to use this word, it's not derogatory towards him, but like almost naive. He just jumped up on that mule and was like so relaxed. And what I was trying to tell Luke is that an animal picks up on the energy. I don't care if you're a neuroscientist and a, and think this earth is just like natural physics. Man, there is there is something deep going on inside a horsemanship. that's very natural and there's a scientific explanation for it, but... That animal is picking up what you're putting out. If you're tense, fearful, it feels it, it knows it, and it translates to that animal. If you're just like totally relaxed, because I put this young man on a mule that's usually pretty hopped up, Izzy. And Izzy's a great mule, very much a finished mule, thousands of miles, never done anything wrong, but she's hard to handle. Like you wouldn't put Meemaw on Izzy. Right. Uh, Izzy would just, she wouldn't hurt her, but, well, she probably would. She could, because she might you know not buck her off but just kind of get out of control right, a little bit right. and so i put him on there and i was actually a little nervous about it but he was a strapping young lad this <laughs> well, is uh, the first i heard of this yeah, I was gonna say yeah. you told me you told me this thing was totally fine yeah, yesterday yeah. Well, it all comes out this now. was before that this was this was before that and so i put him on there and and he was so he was so relaxed izzy was relaxed and i mean he just rode we rode all over the place and totally fine that's what Luke's telling me he did. He was just like, Hey, this is no big deal. So I yeah, did notice,
2: ignorance is bliss when it comes I to I did deals, notice man. on the yes, video when maybe. they got midstream there was a little bit of a, Well, is he tripped? Yeah. And and Luke's eyes got a little bigger, but <laughs> you know that. that was the only yeah. expression that he had. <laughs> and he just like all right, we'll just keep going. Was yeah. that in the
4: ri- when we were crossing the yeah. river? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, well, she tripped and, and she tripped and I thought, "Oh boy." <laughs> we're about, we got about to get our cold plunge in for the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: that would have been awesome.
4: Well, hey, before we get to start, I have something for you guys, for each of you. Ah. you know, I've brought from Maryland uh it's I also smuggled on the airplane. It was not quite as hard as the live crabs, but it was <laughs> had, it had its own different challenges. But they did make it here. Okay, I have one for each of you, I'll explain after I give it to you. Here you go. Hold on.
0: Oh, I can't wait. What, what Brett? What's your guess? He, I don't know. What He's, is t- it? He's taking off his shoes. Hold on! Don't 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 show what's it. Bring it over guess? here, but don't show it to us. Uh, what's my guess? It could be crab. We're even wrapped up here. Oh, give I don't me a know. Second. I have no idea. Like not. Even a single idea. If this is a dead Oh, I know what it is. I
3: know I've felt it now. If this is a dead fish wrapped up in newspaper, I know I'm a goner.
4: (laughs) I know what it is. All right, so they're wrapped up in newspaper, but this is a Maryland tablecloth here. That's what we use E crabs.
0: Oh, dude. This is unreal. This is a this is a tell me what this is.
4: That's uh we call that a bluebell or blackhead duck decoy. You have a canvas back, Brent. Oh, wow. Listen, these are not any duck decoys, all right? These are, so you guys just did your book on market hunting deer, right, in America? Yes. So the Chesapeake Bay, where I'm from, had a long stretch of history where market hunting ducks was a huge part of culture and, you know, industry. So these decoys, and that, you know, so that went from 1800 to 18, or 1918, was market hunting where it was legal, and then 1918, they outlawed it. So then there was a culture of outlaw market gunning. Mm. So these decoys are actually from between 1918, after 1918, but before 1930. These are actual outlaw wow. market gunning if decoys. If these decoys could talk. Man, let me I tell know.
3: you, my brother right now, Tim, is, he's doing a double back flip right now, and he don't know why. Because I'm holding this, and to a duck guide, man, this right here
4: is—it's it's history, man. And, oh, and, and, wow! And those are made right. You know, do you from, think this is hand carved? Oh, I know that. Uh, absolutely, are. I know they. I could tell you. I, I I have done some research on both of these, and I can tell you who made that one. I don't know who made this one, but that they're from Rock Hall, Maryland, which is right across the bay from me. It's I crab out of Rock Hall sometimes, and so that. The cams back you have, Brent, is likely turned down on a gun lathe from like World War One or what? I ah, know, I don't know, yeah. not that great. Whatever, like an old that military gun lathe that they would yeah. these guys would get a hold of. Right. So they would turn some decoy bodies. So like that one is likely turned on a lathe and then finished with a. Do you know shape. what kind of wood it would be? I don't know. They were kind of using whatever. Yeah. Uh, but that one. A lot of was, them were
2: bass, I think. Wood.
4: Yeah, I know that's common. These days, I don't, couldn't tell you what these are made out it's, of. It's a heavy wood. Yeah, so that one that you have is likely hatchet carved and then finished with a draw knife. Are you so serious? They would take a wow. block and they would carve it Just, with a hatchet. Wow, it's beautiful. And then they would put there. it in a Holy cow. Yeah. Dude, exactly. you couldn't have given this, on this to the people to that would appreciate it more. And that, See, this is going in the museum. There, there's a part of me that hates to take history from where it's originated. it's lived its entire life you know, Maryland. in you know, within Bay. 10 miles of where I live at, you know, for ever, And there's a lot of history with these two things, but I, I know that you guys, if anybody will appreciate it and take care of it, you know, it's going to be you guys. So this I don't, is amazing. You know, awesome. Not, what a gift, dude. And I have – Hey, hey
0: for that, you <laughs> this is like – this is about as good a – Spot on a gift this could
4: be given. Oh, I would that. suggest not eating those paint chips though.
0: So this yeah, is for you. <laughs> there might be a
2: little lead in
0: those
4: paint chips. Check this out. Oh, so wow. those, I'm sure you know what those are, but oh, those yeah. are brass shotgun shells. And so those describe what it looks like, Luke. It looks like a 12 gauge shell, but it's
0: just made brass. of. It looks all like a 12. Ga- it looks like a spent 12 gauge casing, but it's brass.
4: Yeah, the whole thing's brass. And so it looks those like a section
0: of one inch brass pipe. Those are pipe.
4: earlier than the decoys. So those are really? from. Somewhere between 1900 and 1910, those are from allegedly from the peop, peop, guy I got them from and the research I've done. And those were very very common with the market gunners because they could reload them. Yeah. And shells were expensive, uh, so they would use these brass shells that wow. they could. They used to call them reload. Saint
3: Louis twos. They shoot number two shot at them when really? they would head rake them, you know, across the bay. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Boy, they used to hunt these things with punt guns. Yep. You know, that would really be a cool thing. You know, these like. 10-foot-long shotguns where yeah. they would pour like two pounds a shot and then they yeah. would, uh, use Check that, that little that sculling Josh. boat and take out the whole flock in a roost. Um, that is, Man, wow, look at, that's look incredible.
3: You can see the <clears throat> the knife
0: cuts on that on that uh, canvas head. So, so it's, it's the bluebill Now, bluebills like a, a duck that people want to kill up there.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah. Canvas backs are kind of the king of the Chesapeake. Okay. You know, uh, been known for that, but the bluebills, I mean, that's what you know, that that's oh, like number two, really. There's that there's a lot is of awesome. them around. So that is awesome. It, it's likely that these have been reheaded okay. since then. But, I mean, they would – That put, one's kind of got a cracked head. You know, they, they, they would carve the bodies. They put 20 heads on them in yeah. their life because they would just break off. And yeah. There's actually even – I was looking them over, and there's a couple spots where there's shot in these decoys, no which way. I think oh, is the cool. Awesome. I think it's oh, cool. Oh, yeah. You know, like – and I know they don't look yeah, like much, a, but they're There's a shot right under that one's eye. No, dude, that's gonna hang in the museum. They, they, I'm gonna. Nice. These things have seen things that I I hope that we will see again, but it's unlikely. You know, wow. Just cool. Okay, Crazy hey, Thank you, I buddy. have a gift for you, and this is not a retali-
0: retaliatory gift. This is not. I was gonna do this before I knew these were here, and in a way, it's a gift from me, Josh, and Brent.
2: Oh man. These things are getting scarce, man.
0: <laughs> yes. This is a genuine plot hound treed, Ozark Mountain killed, custom, one size fits all. <laughs> yeah. Raccoon hat made by Josh Lambridge Spillmaker. Really? That's a, that's a yeah, uh, wow. so my my good dog Fern treed that coon. Really? And, uh, the last guy I gave one to well, I gave one to Cam Haynes. Cameron Haines. Wow. And he asked me if I killed it. And I said, probably. Yeah. And the reason it was probably is because there was probably three or four kids underneath yeah. that tree yeah. that may have shot it. Right. But uh that is a genuine Arkansas hound tree treasure hat. Well, thank you so much. That
4: is Awesome. You might you might need a fur hat up there. It gets I pretty might. cold. Oh yeah. No, I might I think I'm just gonna wear it to the airport. <laughs> yeah. You know? Man. man I like let that. It. Hey, if TSA
0: tries to take that from you, call us. Uh, I know. We're man. coming <laughs> right, right, right out. Right. No, no, I, I doubt. appreciate
4: that. That is that is amazing. Thank you so much. Hey, that's the duck decoys. Incredible.
0: Um, so if you don't know Luke, all you gotta do is just look up Luke Type McFadden.
2: L. Into your search, into your Instagram search. Just say, uh,
0: say. Uh, like, L- L- and he's gonna pop and up. Siri he goes, Luke McFadden. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Skywalker
3: is second. Luke,
0: Luke Skywalker. <laughs> right. Luke. Uh, Luka Donacich. He might come up. NBA guy scored sixty points.
4: He ain't no grabber. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 no. Nah, so uh, Luke has a big TikTok. You kind of got tiktok was like your thing there for a while
4: yeah yeah it definitely started on tiktok and it kind of spread across all platforms yeah. so now you know tiktok facebook instagram youtube yeah that's what i've been putting a lot of time into and you're you're a crabber yeah yep that's uh it's what i do it's a and, full-time grabber so. and so you uh, just give me like
0: a like a short overview of your business like you're catching crabs and then you're selling them direct to people.
4: Yeah, yep. So uh, I'm 27. I started when I was 18 on my own boat and everything. And I sold to wholesale, you know, middlemen for the first seven years. And then I tried to get into, you know, retail, which is kind of how I got into the social media stuff. I was trying to figure out, you know, uh, find a market for my product, really. You know what I mean? Just kind of figure out a way to Market it better and, and whatever else so ended up selling uh, direct customer and so I've been doing that for the past two years uh, and it's growing you know uh, which is a great problem to have uh, but yeah now I'm a full-time waterman on the bay and that- you tell us about smuggling those live crabs so like two
0: days before he came down here we're in Arkansas <laughs> at the global <laughs> headquarters I was like hey, could you bring some crab down here? <laughs> I mean, if, if I was going somewhere, I could see somebody saying, hey, would you bring some bear grease or some bear right, meat? Right. And I would be like, "Yeah, just well, know. bear grease is a little bit harder to come by. <laughs> yeah. But I would um, I'd be like, sure. And so I texted Luke, and I said, hey, what are the chances you could bring some crab? And he said, like, like frozen crab or like live crabs? And I was like, well, I, I don't even know what I'm asking for. You tell me, but live crabs sound pretty good, <laughs> and uh, well, it, it went something like that. And so, what did you do?
4: Well, I like a challenge, you know. So I, uh, <laughs> and I'm in the, you know, I, I make videos. So I was like, you know, what would be an awesome thing, whether it went really well or really bad, is if I tried to get like live crabs, you guys, on the airplane, and not like check them, like carry them on the airplane <laughs> with me. And I was like, I don't know if you can do that. They won't let you bring a bottle of shampoo, but I was like, I think it'd be funny either way, you know what I mean? Like, did you, go ahead,
2: keep going. And
4: I was doing this stuff before I even started social media. I'm the kind of guy who will go the extra mile for a laugh, you know what I mean, for me or somebody else. So I was like, I just thought it'd be, you know, an interesting thing to try anyway. So I, uh, yeah, no, I got like a duffel bag and I built a cooler inside the duffel bag, put the crabs in there and then carried them on the airplane. So I have some pictures of me and my and crabs when you put on the those plane. Crabs and,
2: through the scanner. Did no one just say like, uh,
4: "Can you open that up for me?" Uh, surprisingly, Are you- n- no. I, I I put them through the you know the X ray machine. But they'll they'll stop a pair of fingernail clippers. Yeah, right? exactly, yeah. exactly. But they, I seen it go through. And then it stopped, and my heart stopped. I was like, "Oh no!" And then it went <laughs> back, and then it went through. And I seen the lady like pull the screen a little closer to her face, and it was like four thirty in the morning. So I was like, I, "I, I was like, there's either chance they're gonna be really grumpy and they're gonna give me a hard time, or they're gonna be like, it's too early for this. It's just, you know, <laughs> no, just Maryland okay. things, like whatever, just let. And then it, went the third time, and it went through. I was like, "Oh, we're good." And So I got him behind security, and then. The only issues I did have was trying to uh, carry them on the actual airplane. They were gonna try to make me check them there for. But that a, was a, moment, a size issue. That was a size issue. They didn't even know what was in it. You know what I mean? They were like,
0: they told them, "Hey, that bag's too big." And then what? Yeah. So she I, gave you a hard time. She
4: gave me a real hard time, and I was like, I, you know, I, I can't check it. You know, I can't. You can't just like. It's got to stay upright. And know, she's like, why? It's a baby. Because <laughs> there's a baby. I was there. like, well, you know, there's like, it's full of seafood. She's like. Okay, I was like, it li- like live seafood. She you know, like, if you turn, what? <laughs> <laughs> if you turn seafood over, it pours out. That's right. Right, I was like, yeah. I don't want to be, you know, carrying this. That was my first leg of the journey. I was like, I don't want to have to be carrying this. What nasty town was thing. this in? That was in Baltimore, actually. That I was, uh, you know, having the <laughs> having the hard time getting on the airplane. So, you know, after some. Uh, Heated discussion uh, and some other things. I finally did get it on the airplane with me and into the overhead compartment. uh, They (laughs) made them here, and only two crabs died. I couldn't believe it. how many crabs do you think? Third, like I think we had about three dozen. Three dozen. And I was expecting for to you know hope. I was hoping to get about you know at least fifty percent here alive and well. But I tell you what, man. Complimentary drinks, you know, on the plane. The crabs were good, you know, give them some snacks. They were, they were just fine, you know. There's do they a, like
2: those little Biscoff yeah crackers? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. a window seat. They love yep. a window they seat. They do
4: love a window seat. I do have a picture of me and my crab seeing the world together. They, <laughs> these crabs have seen things other crabs could never dream of.
0: <laughs> this show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. A relationship that I've really had to work on in my life is my relationship with Brent Reeves. He's not always easy to get along with, can be cantankerous, but as we've worked through our relationship issues, he's one of my great friends. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right, but sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great, like me and Brent. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with friends, work, or significant other, or anyone. Talking through stuff with a therapist can be really helpful in learning coping skills, setting boundaries, and really learning about yourself. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash grease today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot grease. I've had a Helix Sleep mattress for over two years, and it is for sure the nicest mattress that I've ever slept on. I've slept much better in the last two years, been more comfortable than I have for my whole life. And that's true. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes, and your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com clay and use the code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet and won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now.
1: ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER.
0: Did you have somebody sitting by you when you pulled that one out? I did, and it, it was awkward. It was like, but the guy... <laughs> Kind of just like... <laughs> oh, you, it was just... Okay, there's multiple kind of interactions that you have with someone that sits with you on a plane. Yeah. There's like the no look... You know, there's like multiple options. There's the no look, no look, mm-hmm. no, look no talk. Yep. It's just like it, imaginary wall, ignorance is bliss. Like, yep. let's not do this. We're just... Then there's me. And then and then there's the, the kind of the, the southern, like, nice guy. Like, anybody you sit with, you need yep. to greet them and and... Where were you at on this?
4: Uh, you know, in Baltimore, it's not really – it's more <laughs> the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm – The Baltimore stank uh, guy. I'm, yeah, I'm <laughs> upset that you have to be even on the same airplane as me. <laughs> yeah. Does it, if, even if you cured cancer, like that kind of so hospitality. You, so, you didn't talk to this person. No, I didn't say anything. It's <laughs> kind of just best to, uh, you know, I just kind of went about my business. and okay. I thought, you know what, I'm some. There's mo- there's days where you're that guy, you know. Okay. And these sure. days are becoming more and more frequent with my life. Oddly enough, but I was just that guy. The, the, that guy that had a crab. So you pulled a airplane. crab out. The, the guy beside you acknowledged it? He, he kind of just, I think that he's, he saw it. You know, he looked and he was just kind of like, <laughs> I... I he, he kind of acknowledged that he saw it cuz i saw his demeanor change and then he just kind of like looked back forward and closed his eyes i was like <laughs> i wonder if it's like it's so early in the morning maybe this guy thinks like there's no way i just saw yeah. this crab he on an the airplane, wrong airplane week stuff, sniffing glue
0: yeah and then <laughs> I, I wonder uh, if he thought it was like cooked seafood and he was like oh wow or
4: like a, a rubber four, crab or four something 4am yeah. the guy beside me's cracking crabs right <laughs> See, that would have been funny to bring crabs, you know, cook crabs and eat them, eat them on the airplane on the way home. That would have well, been. Well, so when he got them here, Josh,
0: we did a big crab boil. I love it. Steam. We had steam. We'll we we get some, steam. some hate mail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. crabs in Maryland. We, we steam. steamed them. The most tragic thing about the whole scene, though, is that Clay made his famous, regionally famous
2: coleslaw. You know about Oh, yeah, this. yeah, with the jalapeno coleslaw. Can you
0: confirm to them that it's regionally it famous? Yeah. Yeah. It's got cilantro. Every,
2: every Cajun potluck, it's gonna yeah. show up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every wedding on the Newcomb farm, it's I, gonna show I up. I even
0: hand chop the cabbage. This time. oh wow. Uh, after yeah, it's a long story. I put it in the refrigerator to chill. Yeah, mm-hmm. you do that with Coastal, yeah, yeah. Josh, yeah. don't give me a. Josh, Josh gave, oh, gave me the eye. Where's this chilling? Oh, you're crab. He, he's making yeah. And so we, then we go steam our crab. Right, and we have this huge meal. And we leave the coleslaw in the fridge. Oh shoot! So we're gonna have, we we we're gonna have some of Clay's famous coleslaw on the render before we end today. Just, <laughs> right I'm kidding. That. That's a joke.
4: But he got Brent excited. <laughs> yeah, let's eat. So we start.
0: tell us how you
2: biscuits
4: and How coleslaw. you steam crab? <laughs> <laughs> tell- well, we just put them in a you know in a pot. I'd probably like big it looked pot. like a canning pot or something. Yeah, like, a big whatever. We, pot. we use what we got. You know what I mean? And put some water and vinegar in the bottom. And
2: what's the vinegar do?
4: The vinegar actually makes them easier to pick, so it keeps the (laughs) meat from sticking to the shell so bad. Interesting. Yeah, so like if you use, like I've heard of guys using like seawater, not not Chesapeake Bay water, but like seawater to steam seafood and stuff, We're putting seasoning with salt in it in the water, and that seems like a great concept, but it it makes the meat stick to the shell worse. So if you put a little Mm. white vinegar in there, maybe like one-third part white vinegar you know, it'll, it'll So help just the, water and. That kind of sticks. stuff always yeah, of intrigues me.
3: How they figured it out. Right. But, I was about to say the same know, like, thing. Okay. Give me that diesel. <laughs>
4: yeah. Yeah. Right. No, that, that, that didn't, didn't work. work.
3: <laughs> how about some WD-40? No, that didn't work either. What we got left? Try to Here's some white up. vinegar. Okay. It's like the same
4: guy that figured out you could eat a crab. Yeah, exactly. Or, exactly. And or a yeah, Who was the guy that decided that it didn't stick to the shell as bad? Right? Yeah. I mean, Probably it, the guy selling vinegar, right? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. uh, the stuff we cooked in
0: vinegar, I'd say the meat stuck to the shell. Oh. Last night? I, I mean, mean, when we ate it? I yeah, it's kind of what happens.
4: Yeah, it anyway. does a little bit, but I'm telling you, it can be like worse. There's a lot of times where you're trying to get it, and it's, it's like it's like the meat stuck to itself, that's like stuck to the. Sh- I don't know; it's hard to describe. But so, if I gave you two, you could probably pick. Okay, you know, okay. Pick out the. one. I don't know. So, we we may have to drive for so These are sure. these are blue
0: crabs, mm-hmm. and they, ironically, these actually probably came from Louisiana.
4: Yeah, Maryland blue crab season is closed right now.
0: So you you but they shipped them live from Louisiana to Maryland. Yep. And then you brought them from Maryland to Arkansas. These wow, man, are,
2: those dudes have been around. They're
0: well-traveled. These are blue crabs. What's the scientific name of them?
4: Callinectes sapidus. And so the males are how big? Males, I mean, they'll, they'll get up to, I mean, I've caught, like, the biggest one I've caught probably is like nine inches point-to-point point across the carapace, which is a giant. I mean, that's a massive crab. Usually when they get that Did you big. mount it? <laughs> I didn't, but I have seen mounted crabs, but uh, I don't have a mounted crab that would be pretty cool though. Yeah, <laughs> I sold it. I you know, <laughs> but uh yeah, so you know, they, they get that big and usually the thing that gets them is either a waterman or they uh you know, they, they die a shell rot. They get so big they can't shed. They don't have the energy to shed their shell anymore. Like males will in theory just keep growing and growing and growing. Oh, really? Females once they shed from an immature female to a mature female, they never that crab never sheds again.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
4: I'm surprised that in
0: like water folklore there's not a giant crab somewhere like a whale yeah, or exactly. a squid like a
4: six foot crab well I mean, no like a 20 foot crab oh like there could be i mean the, the thing is you know i use crab pots instead of like an alternative method to catching crabs in maryland would be like a trout line where the crab is just holding on to a piece of bait and then you're driving a boat along the line and you put like you have a hook over the side. You put the line over the hook, and you're just driving along it, and the crabs will hold on to the bait till you get to the surface, and then you dip them off the line with a net. Oh, wow. So in a crab pot, you can only catch a crab that will you're fit through the limiting funnel. limiting the size you know I mean? of the crab. So they catch some real giants, uh, you know, trout lining, because okay. it's just ah, anything that can hold on to the bait. you just probably don't catch as many. Well, there's different areas you can go. And, you know, I mean, when you're doing on a really large scale, like what I'm doing, you know, you're fishing – up to 1400 crab pots when I have two licenses sometimes. You know, crab pots kind of the way that you would go, you know, to do it on a on a really big scale. Right. I see.
2: Right. I see. So, Luke, when I was a boy, I grew up on the Gulf. I got caught the crab pots. We used to go crabbing. <laughs> uh-huh. And we had my uncle had two crab pots and then we'd just take the lines where you put the meat through and mm-hmm. we'd pitch them out there and we'd catch blue, car- blue crabs oh, there really? near Galveston, yeah. huh just to eat just yep. eat Take the them home. house steam them eat them yeah um, they're
0: they're all over the east coast so now the so blue crabs are are they all over the world or just
4: i, a, I mean america the, i know they have them in south america and central america same same species i believe so i've never been there to witness it but i i do think they do i hear they don't get as big okay but um you know with the east coast going through there's a lot of ecological change kind of going on in the northeast you know of the east coast so mm-hmm. i mean they're even finding blue crabs in maine you know i know guys that lobster and that uh, no, that, ra- raise to me, that doesn't there. sound like i figured they were already there they're not they're not no they're not but they're starting
0: to show so up it's a southern like, like Ma- chesapeake bay is the northern range of the blue crab
4: historically is you know uh yeah like Chesapeake Bay, Delaware Bay, you know, I know they they have some in New York and all, but it was kind of like, from what I understand, you know, that was kind of as far north, like, you know, there's not a fishery for them in New York. I, well, there, I, I think
0: if maybe there just is. Just as know. a little caveat, if uh, if the Arkansas Game and Fish finds some blue crab in the Arkansas River, it did not have anything to do with us. <laughs> no, so, right, right, right. No, no, Absolutely. Right.
4: <laughs> so, yeah, like, I guess there is a fishery for blue crabs in New York. I don't know a ton about it, but, you know, there was kind of like – as far north okay. as you would okay. really find them, but
0: so when you eat these things, there was you said something when we started. You said blue crabs are the only thing you could starve while eating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, There's a surprising, su- surprisingly small amount of meat on a pretty big looking crab. Yeah, would you have said that, yeah. Josh? Oh yeah, but but once you get into it, you realize it's the. It's it's the it's the social aspect and the meat is very very good and you have
2: to work for it so it's kind of it's fun. Generally, you supplement the crab with coleslaw.
0: <laughs>
4: Usually, yeah, a not, good not host here. would.
2: <laughs> so, t- just quickly
0: tell me how you'd break down a crab, like to eat it. So, if you just like, had to describe it to somebody in like a minute,
4: yeah, break the claws off. You can get into the claws, eat that, pretty pain free. Then pick the apron. Off the bat, flip it Which over, the pick big, the apron.
0: The, it's like the hood, like the big part. Sort of, part. yeah,
4: yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: the bonnet, Jesus the part. bonnet, if you're in <laughs> yeah. England.
4: Yeah, some, something well, like wait, that. when I – It's just reproductive One order.
0: of my – don't let this – this might indicate my socioeconomic status, but one of my biggest interactions with seafoods has been Captain D's. And at Captain D's, when you, <laughs> get, the, when you get the seafood platter, uh-huh. it actually has a real crab shell stuffed with, like, you know,
4: crab anything drinking. but crabs <laughs> yeah. yeah it's probably what? a real crab shell stuffed with like imitation crab or something yeah. Like that. yeah yeah it was Caught. good though yeah i wonder if that
0: was a blue crab
4: possibly probably. It's a, it was about it's as, about as, the it's, size of a blue it was crab. about as big yeah. as a yeah. mango
0: yeah
4: yeah probably <laughs> a blue crab something like that
3: from our mango
0: tree in the yard <laughs> yeah <there>.
4: right <laughs> carry on Unit of okay pleasure. so you take the you
0: take the the top big part of the shell off.
4: Yep. Yeah. You'll pull. You'll pull the. Uh. You know the carapace off, and then you'll be left with the body. You'll see the lungs, and then kind of like the guts in the center. You pull the guts out. Looks like ramen noodles. You know, you don't want to mm. eat the forbidden ramen noodles, okay. you can, But I don't suggest it necessarily. And then they they have lungs on either side. Okay. You'll pull them. It's look off. like gills, like fish
0: gills. Yeah. Gills, Almost. lungs.
4: There's some kind of thing well, about them I mean, because they, they can just live out. Like That's what they look like. And, yeah. 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 They look like gills. Yeah. Um, pull them off you don't really want to eat them and then I take the body break it in two pieces you know it'll split into two even pieces and then uh, you know I usually flip it over and you'll be able to see the lines down the you know the underside of the crab and I'll kind of take my two thumbs and break them along those lines and then you can uh, kind of crack the top and then pull the meat out of all the little Compartments, you know. I like to keep it still attached to the legs. It just gives you, you know, for dipping and whatever yeah. else. Because a lot of times them. we'll dip you know, them in it in butter. And me, stuff now like that, that you're
0: describing it, and I've done it now, it helps me to think about it like this: the the muscles, there are muscles attached to things that have to move. Yeah. And there's a muscle attached to every leg, so it's a it has eight legs, right? Yeah. Eight something, legs something like and that. two pinchers, something like, that. or maybe that. six. I don't think it's eight legs. Six and two legs. Pinchers. Six legs.
4: It's got a lot. I think and, it's got three legs, a swim fin and a pincher on each side, I believe.
0: Okay, so that's four appendages. You ain't no crabber. Yeah. I ain't no crabber. But <laughs> but like every leg has a little tuft of meat. Like, right. like a tiny little bit yeah. of meat. And so you're basically cracking off that leg and pulling it out so that meat kind of like comes out with it. And then you have this little little crab hand you know, handle of the leg, and then you dip that in some melted butter. Touch it into a little, little bit of pa- a little seasoning that you have, and then you eat it. And so you do that with all the legs, and then you've cracked the the, the claws. Which
4: not all of them had claws. Yeah. Some well, sometimes a lot of times the claws fall off when you're steaming them and all. Okay. You know they're in there fighting. You know whatever. They they <laughs> don't they go out without a fight. You know. Why is so, it so hot in here? Like in a restaurant <laughs> when you get crabs, a lot of times they One have. Of them's wife is
2: like, can you turn up the heat? It's freezing. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
4: In a restaurant, they would either shock the crabs, electrocute them, or ice them. You know, really? And, huh. Like flash ice them. Usually, they electrocute them. Wow! What do you do so, for a living? I electrocute crabs. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> the merchant of crustacean death. <laughs> uh, but that's so that. That's a new tattoo. Uh, oh, so they, uh, so, they don't so when don't they fight. steam them, so they don't fight in the pot. Oh, so don't it don't nothing drop to do clubs. with animal ethics or oh. anything. Well, I mean, maybe I don't know. But I mean, I know in the industry, it's like so that. Because, you know, if you're, if you're serving crabs at a restaurant, people will complain sometimes. They have don't have all pitchers. the claws, even if they're, like, there. They want a crab with all the yeah, appendages. I see. So. so
0: so you, you – I'm,
4: I'm on it. You shock them. It's kind of like a gladiator fight when you throw them all in that pot and you oh, put yeah. the lid on. <laughs> oh, yeah, we put the lid on, and we had some potatoes and corn on the top. And uh, I think Missy said something about, like, uh, it's moving. <laughs> I mean, there's a
3: there was a cob of corn up there. going yeah, wiggle it back
4: and forth. The, the, the lid starts kind of moving a little bit. I was like, yeah, it's it's just there's just we'll check in on them in like ten well, minutes. What I, what I learned is that it's like extremely like
0: Luke said. It's a it's a it's full full contact sport. Like you know, we yeah. had crabs just oh, yeah. everywhere. It's like you have a huge pile of just stuff, but. At first, when I was watching him do it, I was like, holy cow, this is going to be wild. Because he was like, don't eat this. Don't eat the lungs. There's, there's what he called the mustard in them, which is the fat, which mm-hmm. just looks like this like pasty yellow. I mean, it'd be yeah. like, you'd think, don't eat that. But it kind of gets on everything, and it's actually really good. Yeah. So there was nothing that I put in my mouth from that crab di- didn't taste incredible. So I kind of got it. I was like, oh, yeah. you don't have to be afraid of anything. Right. You just like go to town. And it was a, uh, it was great. Minus Definitely a full,
4: full, contact sport eating crabs for sure.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like eat like a big crawfish ball on steroids. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's a little messy I see, Yeah, I can see how
0: if you really knew what you were doing, I mean, you'd just. If you try not
2: to make a mess, how eat them many?
3: outside or in the bathtub because that's <laughs> that's you're <gonna> right.
2: Get, <laughs> you're gonna get it everywhere. Luke, what's your record of eating crabs? How many crabs have you eaten?
4: I mean, you know, in one sitting, mm-hmm. a, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, usually by the time I've, you know, if I really get it, you know, the tunnel vision on eating the crabs, it's kind of like everything else just kind of you know, fades, fades off away. The- you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's kind of like you just kind of wake up in the morning. zone. Like, covered in Old Bay or J.O. Spe- seasoning and I can't, can't remember <laughs> what, what happened. I
2: don't,
4: what <laughs> Why am I in show. Arkansas?
3: i up in a ditch. <laughs> <to> <laughs> the next I don't even
2: remember
0: bringing these on the plane. Yeah, right. Okay,
2: if I'm going to do a crab boil – for family and friends, steam, how many? Crab how steam. many? That's I'm sorry, crab steam. Yeah, you don't how do many crabs. For family and friends, how you many? Do how many crabs do I need to factor in per person?
4: I mean, you could count on like you know, if you're if if it if you're if your friends are from Maryland, uh-huh. I would count on ten crabs a man per person per person. Oh you know wow. I mean? wow! Depending on the size, the size of the crab makes all the difference. Right, of course. You know, we didn't have any giant extra jumbos because I was trying to could only bring so many on the plane. I was trying to get a little more in case some died. You know I know sent a, a picture
3: okay. of that uh, to Michael Roseman when they were all laid out on the table. And, you know, his wife's from Maryland, and she said, "What's everybody else going to eat? I could tell <laughs> that that <by> myself." <laughs>
4: Yeah, I would say if I'm eating like large crabs, which are like my largest, are six to six to and a half inches across the top. Okay, you know, I I could count on eating between ten and twelve myself. Ten and twelve. But 12? I'm, I'm a I'm a very efficient crab eater. You know, right. and I don't but I man, actually I don't eat crabs good. that often. You know what I mean? It's that's like Biggie Smalls breaking his eighth crack commandment, man. You can't be, get high on your own supply. You know what I mean? You gotta, There's you a can't lot of that. that. That one.
2: reference will play with a lot of bear grease. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah, wow. It's so good. I
0: was gonna say four crabs. Okay. After four crabs, I was wore <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> like, can I just get like, some no sausage? <laughs> I I mean,
2: <laughs> true story. I ain't no crabber. it was a lot of fun. can you imagine steaming a deer hole a deer live deer and just (laughs)
3: eating it with your hands yeah yeah dump it out on a table don't give him any (laughs) idea that's a
4: great idea
1: we'll be doing that next now a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating you know some organ the heart or a chunk of liver And make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. Ever need
0: something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at Errands yep you can rent to own appliances like washers dryers refrigerators furniture for your living room or bedroom even tech like computers and gaming systems plus Aaron's has great brands like hp samsung and ashley and you can pay a little at a time until it's yours forever but here's the cool part say you're renting a 65 inch smart tv and decide you don't want it anymore at Aaron's, you can return it at any time or maybe you want to downsize to a 55 inch or upgrade to an 86 inch you can do that too. Return it and take home something new. Life's always changing. With errands, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit errands.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. You pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who's used a can of Seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on Seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store. Or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Man, I hate to change the topic from crabbing, but we got some serious conversation to have here about a podcast that I've been working on and excited about for probably over a year. Like the sequence of the way these things happen when I do a series is you, it's not always a year, but usually. I'm reading a book or doing something that's connected to something that i will will materialize much later. I think last summer, maybe last spring, I started reading Roderick Nash's book, Wilderness in the American Mind. That book, this book was written, let me see what the copyright date is. This is going to blow your mind. Um, this book first edition published in 1967 oh wow this book is considered the quote-unquote book of genesis of uh, let's see this book is a mandatory prelude to any modern treatment of conservation problems um when here's another one when roderick ash when Roderick Nash's Wilderness and the American Mind first appeared in nineteen sixty seven, it was justly praised as the first real idea book in environmental history. Indeed a classic study and greatly influenced another, Ah, that's not what I'm looking for. This is the book of Genesis of American Wilderness. Do this catch- guy was a this guy was a was a like a getting his PhD in nineteen sixty seven, wrote this book. When I read this book, I cannot fathom what a human would have to go through to gather the information he did and cover it in such an incredible way this is a a top five book for me in the world oh wow yeah like massively influential because it unveiled for me things that were happening inside of me that i didn't know why and that's something i'm very interested in, in all areas of life i popped out of the womb in 1979 in arkansas And I have this view of the world, these ideas about different things. How much of that did I come up with on my own? How much of it I came up because of my individual family? How much did I come up with it because of the culture that I'm raised in? How much did I come come up with it because I am an American? Like, where does this stuff come from? And to me, that's all real important because you you will live a life of – deception if you think i mean this whole idea of being like a free thinker and like we're these independent people that just came up with all this stuff on our own and nobody tells me what to do i i'm it's like dude you are a product of your culture cuz your culture valued that your culture valued you saying that you're the yeah. only one who ever thought of this and you're this autonomous man and i love that but what i'm saying is that came from somewhere yeah this whole idea of like rugged individualism of the american is you're influenced
3: a, by everything. Is an influence, yeah. either positive or negative.
0: Well, and and a
2: whole lot of the way that we think. That Unless we, you're Steve Ranella. <laughs> well,
0: we're going to get to that. Um, no, I I when when Roderick Nash started talking about wilderness, I was like, yeah, yeah, and I had no idea he was talking about all oh, this deep history about. Oh, I mean, this was way different than like the Donnie Baker story. I mean like radically, like if an alien came down and analyzed this podcast, they would be like two different people must have made that for 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 because it's like very different. Right. Which I like. I like yeah. that it went from this very personal, very personal story to something I don't view it as academic, but it is philosophical. And philosophy not be to me, philosophy is really functional because to have an understanding of who you are you have to kind of know why and i've always loved the idea of wilderness but also wilderness with a capital w but uh so this book just specs it out and and so much i got to give roderick nash credit so much of what i talked about in this first episode came came from this book and uh, i tried to get roderick nash who's still alive he's in his 80s Tried to get him on this here podcast and he wouldn't. He wouldn't do it. Oh. And I'm not afraid to say that because it's just the truth. Um, but uh, good. I have a lot of respect for what he wrote. But uh, but holy smokes, did I have a cast of characters though? Uh, Dr. Dan Flores, incredible guy, uh, just came out with a new book called Wild New World. He wrote Coyote America. He wrote American Serengeti. Which, if you hadn't read American Serengeti, you ain't no crabber. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) If there's
4: not pictures, then I ain't read
0: it. (laughs) Most most crabbers probably ain't read it. To be be honest with you. (laughs) American Serengeti is basically about the the Pleistocene North America. It's it's just mind-boggling. Oh, burritos are ready. (laughs) We're going to... I had got Col- salsa. Colby Moorhead came over here the other day and told me how to make that battery pack stop beeping, uh-huh. and I forgot what he said. So every time it <laughs> beeps Moorhead, in this podcast, we're giving one of the listeners a <laughs> <at> coonskin hat. <laughs> Not true. American Serengeti talks about Pleistocene North America, and basically that we had more charismatic megafauna than even Africa. Like what we looked at, you know, we had we had the bison, we had like multiple giant cats we had horses we had ground two thousand pound giant ground sloth we had cave bears we had dire wolves i mean it was it was like a it was like jurassic park here anyway dan Dan flores wrote a book on that he's number one number two is dr sarah dant um it's it's dan's wife i I think
2: that's a i think the world knows that what, this, their dinner table conversations probably got a limited oh they're like scope the most interesting people <laughs> of all time
0: so she, she's a professor at Weber University in Utah and she wrote this book called Losing Eden which is an environmental history of the West it is like so pa- so much packed with deep human history on the landscape of North America kind of mind blowing book too and so she's on there and then Steve Rudella, who I'm um, interested to in, in see what y'all's take on the Steve Rudella section was. Oh, Steve's always great to have on. He's he's yeah, great. And then one of my favorites, Hal Herring, who Hal Herring is a character. If you don't know Hal, then you ain't no crabber. <laughs> but Hal Herring,
4: great guy. Um, where to start? I mean, I don't. You know, you you said that the the last the Donnie Baker this really aren't related but I mean it kind of is though I mean you can't mm. tell me even though Donnie Baker he, what he did I mean he I guarantee you know he shared all the same interests right. in the wild and the, the that we do you know and that everybody else did so really it's kind of almost the origin story of the whole thing you know it's like yeah. starting You just had the Franks before the beans a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, well. I don't think it's very – it's not that unrelated. It's like, you know, his desire to be out in the wilderness and take deer and do whatever else, even though it went a little sideways there for a minute. Yeah. You know, probably has the same roots and ideas. So he he was
0: going to an
4: area that had uh,
0: unmolested animals that were easy to hunt. Yeah, exactly. To me, that was the most interesting thing – one of the most interesting things in the podcast is that this, what we now view as a love of wilderness and us, like, federally preserving wilderness areas goes back deep into our epigenetics, as Dan Flores said, when we loved places that were absent of humans because we could go there and be successful hunting because the animals were undisturbed. I mean, that's, like, wildly fascinating.
2: I feel like this podcast made me more contemplative about it than I've ever been because I, sure. I think I – think when you say the word wilderness it does evoke a an emotional response to a lot of people and i thought i thought what is what is wilderness really you know beyond the definition what does it mean to me because you know we've we've traveled a lot with our kids to National parks and whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, you see the capital W wilderness and you kind of go out there and you see the paved parking lot and you see all the trails and, you know, the signs that say. Now, that
0: wouldn't be capital W wilderness. That would be a national park.
2: Well, that a national park, but we have seen wilderness yes, areas. Yes, yes, yes. And it just, you're like, that doesn't, eh, it is. I mean, if you can drive. It's hard. Yeah. So. Oh, but, well,
0: you're talking about national parks. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I've got you. But
2: the, the idea of wilderness is, to me, is. Captivating with a side of terrifying mm. because I, I thought you were going to say captivating with a capital C <laughs> no <laughs> um, Captivating like like I'm 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 I am just bewildered by it and I'm drawn to it but at the same time there is that that aspect of of like it's it's wild I mean it is like it's it's uh, unpredictable Mm-hmm. And uh, going back to what I, I talked about this before, if we're going to talk about wilderness, you can't talk about it without the movie The Wilderness Family. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I didn't so, bring them up in this. But, you know, I think about that that idea of being dropped off in the middle of nowhere and being forced to <sighs> make something of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there, there are certain things, like we talked about, about unmolested animals but also at the same time there is a, a raw wildness about it. I thought that just, I thought the etymology of your your word there oh. was fascinating. I, st-
0: I got chills listening to that yeah. yesterday in the truck coming coming home from squirrel hunting.
2: So I, with
0: a stringer of squirrels in the back truck.
2: <laughs> I back love in the it. Truck. But full I, mules, I baby. I'm excited about mules. I'm excited about hearing more about it because it is it is a it is a thing that is unique. I I've never thought about a wilderness being something that when you lose it you don't get it back. Right. I've not. It's hard to wrap your mind around. Like it doesn't come back. Yeah. It's it's done. Yeah. So we have we have a potentially extinctable resource mm-hmm. that really does need to be cared for. And so I I appreciate the the yeah. deep dive. Well, I think it's important to understand
0: like this broader scale of humanity. M- m- human Humans as a species coming out of being hunter-gatherers, moving towards civilization, which civilization would be defined by agriculture and domestic animals and congregation of people, which would have increased birth rates, produced a lot of secu- more security. As people were coming out of wilderness into that, th- there was there was this this very long-standing human idea that wilderness was bad. Even, even though we were drawn to it as hunter-gatherers to go into places that were unexploited, the, the, when all of a sudden there was a new option, we were very interested in becoming, and, and again, civilized is a, um, is a politically incorrect term that I'm going to use because we just have to to understand what we're talking about. You know, because when you say civilized, it insinuates that there are humans that live uncivilized lives. And so that's politically incorrect. But you understand what I'm saying. Um, So when all of a sudden the the security of civilization was here, there was like, let's say 99% of people were very interested in getting to that. So that they didn't die when they were 18 years old from starvation or from a a woolly mammoth tusk in the butt. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you'll have that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You I mean, took it right in the. the <laughs> <and> so, so <laughs> but the, but the tables shifted as civilization then became dominated the face of the earth, and then all of a sudden there's this artifact where we woke up in the 1800s, the Romantic era, and all of a sudden it became cool to love wilderness. So I mean, it, it's like this, like this sloshing from one side to the other wilderness is our enemy we have to get to civilization and then it became civilization is the enemy that's what Thoreau and Emerson and Muir and we have to get back to wilderness and then today we live in a world that's so lopsided in civilization there's those of us who are scrapping and wanting to interact with and go to a place that's so such an anomaly across the face of the earth, where we could go and experience a place that people don't live. That is a you know, that's interesting.
3: You think but, about you think about. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Well, you just think about the. You talked about the the romanticism of it, and in our realm where we work here, the majority of the products. That we sell that we offer for sale that we use are all geared to make going into the wilderness easier yeah you know i mean that's how we make a living
0: boots and waterproof clothing
3: backpacks and being lighter weight and being able to carry more stuff with you that you need to to survive at a time out there when back in those days it was hard you know you had to it was just a, a bigger struggle when and we're doing it now not for survival but for pleasure for fun to feel that need that we have that we wake up that we long to get away from everything that's around us all these light bulbs and stuff you know we all the time I'm here we're working we're hunting yesterday I'm answering text messages and emails while I'm on the back of that mule and we get out there when there's none of that it's a whole different way to look at A sunrise, or or the way to look at riding down a road, or walking down a road when you're so far removed from it. I I I had the thought that in there where he said that it's in our nature to long for those places to go, and I may be I'm obviously paraphrasing what he said, but what I got out of what he was talking about was it's in our DNA and our genetic code to want to go to the wild place. My wife thinks if she's if we're in a town that doesn't have a target that's about as wilderness as it gets
0: <laughs> that's a wilderness area she don't
3: want any part of that she wants to go the opposite direction so you know I, but but she wouldn't like to go to in the middle of live in the middle of baltimore or even even in the middle of little rock that's just that's too congested she wants somewhere in the happy medium that's still got the security that you can go here and here and there, with with very little trouble. Me, on the other hand, give me a coal oil lamp and a pocket full of shells and a shotgun, and I'm going to be fine. Just wherever I can get away from people. Mm-hmm. So there. So at some point, you know, it was a, a pendulum. Yeah. At some point, some folks still uh, still followed that. Yeah. That that want or that need to do something, and then some folks didn't. I mean, they stopped it. At the edge, you know, this is far enough, but there's still others that want to go further out. Yeah. and it had to be that way, or this country wouldn't have wouldn't be where it is now. Yeah, you know, with exploration,
4: mm-hmm. that was just something
3: that mm-hmm.
0: I thought about. It. Luke, what do you think?
4: Oh, well, I, you know, I just kind of had a thought about kind of the irony of like you were talking about, you know, humans' desire to preserve, recognize, and preserve wilderness and wild places. And it's kind of the same theme here is where everything has gone so full circle, where, like, in an effort to do that, we have places like Yellowstone, which I, to me, is the least wild wilderness that you could experience. You know yeah, what I mean? Three like, million people a year. Right, ahead. right, exactly. Like, so it's sort of like, it. it's just... I think it's just one of the common denominators of human nature, you know what I mean? The same thing that drives people like us to go experience places where there is no one else, the same, you know, that's, that's what the people that discovered new continents and, you know, Americas and whatever else had in them, you know what I mean? But there's always, you know, I think it's getting kind of bred out of us, you know what I mean? It used to be one in 10 people. Now it's one in a million people that want to go have that desire to like go out and, and see that, but. You know, I don't know. My, my thought was You just- said
0: something about scarcity earlier, about how... Do you remember how you said uh, scarcity is the... Humans always gravitate towards, gravitate yeah. towards what's scarce. and You so kind of just
4: want what you can't have. I mean, everything so when we in nature's nature is kind of like that. When know? we
0: were forging a living out of the wilderness, we wanted more security. Right. Then now that we're forging a living out of civilization, we want to yeah. reach back to something
4: more wild. It, it's it's just I think humans' desire to to, to really just kind of you, you, want what is scarce and want what they kind of can't have. You know, it's like it's one of the downfalls of man. You know, it's, it's also one cyclical. of the things that sets us apart which, from animals. Which is
2: in a sense the antithesis of wilderness, because the only way to keep wilderness wilderness is to, is to, never to keep go a there. bunch of people out of it. Yeah, never. Yeah. You know there. what I mean? Yeah. So it's like well, they, you we have these people who want it, but. How how many people being there makes it not wilderness right, anymore? Right, right. That's
4: why I was saying, where, where is the line of wilderness? Okay, you guys you know?
2: are totally ruining episode two. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I
4: wasn't even going to bring it
0: up. No, yeah, There's there is a major philosophical problem with wilderness. Yeah. Is that wilderness is a wilderness because... Nobody's
4: there because you're not there. Yeah, exactly. So once you go there, then is it still wilderness? And okay, I'll I'll, I'll, even though we have this natural desire just baked into us to experience
0: what is wild.
3: You you just listened to episode two. Thank you for (laughs) check
0: back. Let's just do another render now. (laughs) Yeah, let's just go right to the next render. No, that that we get into that pretty extensively about these issues with wilderness, and uh, there's another big issue that I'm not gonna bring up just yet unless one of y'all leaks it out on accident, don't do off. it don't do it
1: now a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating you know some organ the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill i had that when i was a little kid and it was a big deal And make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. Ever
0: need something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at Errands. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, Even tech like computers and gaming systems. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. And you can pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But here's the cool part. Say you're renting a 65-inch smart TV and decide you don't want it anymore. At Aaron's, you can return it at any time. Or maybe you want to downsize to a 55-inch or upgrade to an 86-inch. You can do that too. Return it and take home something new. Life's always changing. With Aarons, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aarons fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aarons store or visit aarons.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go. But here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who's used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on Seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more.
4: I have this desire in me to do, that drives me to do what I do for a living. You know, this, this craving. it's like this kind of desire to be where where people aren't, you know, where there's like an. An e- uh, like an even playing field between you and nature I- in a way you know what I mean where like you know your your rules and you know kind of man's societal boundaries well, that's what don't Hal apply to you know like like the crabs fish the bay where I'm at it doesn't nothing none of that matters you know what I mean that is all off the table it's between you and you know and nature
0: Yeah. You you know what I mean? So to me, it's a wild
4: place and and I'm drawn to it just for no, it's just, it's in me. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I live in this, in just below like Baltimore City. I mean, there's tons, people are nuts to butts there. You know, it's just, we're jammed up, but I have this desire to get to the closest place I can and spend the most amount of time there, even if it's a hundred times more work. You know, just because I have this thing baked into me for like this longing for wild things in wild places, and like, so I think it just kind of, it, it's different for everybody. Like, He's for a me, true it's, representation it,
3: of it because it, it's not a legacy thing with him, right? Right. Yeah. He's like a first gen generation crabber yeah. in his family, so it, there's yeah. something there somewhere.
0: Yeah. Well, and and your example is is relevant to all of us. Is that the idea of wilderness you can experience? anywhere, like you in the Chesapeake Bay, which is not Federal Wilderness with a capital W, which is not wilderness by many definitions, but you're having that experience of, like what Hal Harrion said, he said, wilderness is a feeling where you enter into a place that's no longer governed by the laws of men. You're governed by ancient laws.
4: Yeah, exactly. And, and,
0: and it, boy, that, I mean, that's for real. Like
4: and I ain't and, read that book. I promise. What? No, no. no. How? how this isn't it. Hal's book.
0: Hal would said that on the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's that is another critique of wilderness. Josh is that uh, Dan Flores talked about how we've sacralized. He said it, a lot of different groups have sacralized wilderness right. to the point that you might get the idea that that tree out in your yard is not nature too. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you minimize you, you minimize something that's wilderness on my property right here. I could experience that feeling of wilderness. I mean it's kind of funny. Right. I have a small piece of land. And when I go to particular parts of it, it's the wildest part of the land that I have. Right. <laughs> Which it's not Wilderness by any definition, but it feels—I have that feeling of this is this is a special place. This is
2: furthest from my. I house, mean, I feel that way. Land. I feel that way when I'm on the river, like I'm in yeah. a, in a mm. spot where not everybody can get to. You know, yeah. when I'm in my boat and I'm, yeah. you know, cruising down there, that I I have that feeling like of there is something wild and connects me to nature inside of it that's just mine in the
4: moment. Yeah. I I can experience, you know, I I have been out crabbing and I am experiencing, you know, that same thing. Well, there's a million dollar yacht going by me 50 feet away. Mm. You know what I mean? So we're in the same place doing the same thing, but I'm experiencing, you know, my idea of wilderness and this guy's probably just drinking Michelob Ultras at nine a.m. That was a million dollar yeah. You know what I mean? So I it's like it you can it, it's just such a weird it's thing. It's like a totally separate you know, the feeling I guess of wilderness and then, you know, actual wilderness to I, I would guess probably two different podcasts really. <laughs> Gee, well you may have tapped into episode three right there. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to <laughs> no
0: no
2: no I'm kidding. Um I I, I think that that I I, I think that the The spiritualizing of wilderness, really, it's true, you know, I think we've all experienced it. Mm -hmm. If you've been somewhere remote, and you've seen a breathtaking mountainscape with a sunrise that just blows your mind how the Creator could have made that for you to see that morning, I think a big aspect to it is the, the removal of noise from your mind, from your life, from your agenda that makes that thing that much more intense and gives you that, that experience. Yeah. What's, what's unique about that is no
0: people have different words to describe it, that there's no humans that deny that that happens. Yeah. Like there's, you know, you use the term creator. There would be people that would not use that term. The one thing that's for certain is that people, whether they believe in a God or don't believe in a God have a spirit, Spiritual, and, and you know, people might have different definitions of what a spiritual experience right. would be. But nobody is arguing that when you stand on top of some beautiful summit and see a sunrise, that there is a sublime feeling. Like, yep. like, like the guy Burke, right. he popularized that word. The sublime is like the overlap of the natural and the spiritual. Like, um, and that is what is not up for debate is that something happens that's bigger. Than just normal human stuff, which I, I think that's incredible. Yeah, that uh, we're not arguing about the, this thing that happens, and uh, it it would make sense, maybe even biologically, that um, it doesn't make sense that that would happen unless we were coded. To respond to these things, which I think we are.
3: Yeah, and they, you know they talked about people gravitating toward art, paintings and stuff that was the Wouldn't landscape. Wasn't that interesting? Yeah, that was uh, the trees were just limbs or whatever were just laden with fruit yeah. that hadn't been picked and had animals
0: that were that were didn't look scared. Do you remember the guy?
3: Go ahead. Well, I was just you. You're not in Canada. In in Saskatchewan, when the, when the bears were the the famous bear that poked his head in the mm-hmm. in the blind on us, and all the bears that were walking around us, they had no fear of us. Yeah. They didn't. They they were ac- they were absolutely unmolested. Yeah, and they had no knowledge of that. Was one of my top experiences ever.
0: Yeah, they just weren't afraid of us. They weren't afraid. Do you remember the guy hat on? from, I I, I even, I don't even remember which bear grease it was, but one of the bear greases where a guy told us that people respond to landscape art with humans that are, that are in cover. Like, so if you had, if you had a, a picture of a group of people, like out in the middle of a field that you would, that, that, that f- you you would you would be more drawn to a picture of people that were close to a bluff
2: because there's a vulnerability.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. It's different. It's different oh, than wilderness. You saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He Dan Flores was talking about how we respond to unmolested scenes of calm animals, fruit trees that hadn't been picked, like stuff like that. But but there's there's like deeper st- there's stuff so coded into us. They like we want to be close to cover anyway. I, I just thought human response to landscape art is
4: pretty versus a photograph
2: of a bison goring a national park visitor. Yeah, I
3: kind yeah. of I dig those myself. <laughs> yeah. You get what you pay for. Idiot. Well, then, do
4: you think the coding is just a desire for food, water, and shelter? Well, you know I what they, mean, it's like it, if it's the same kind of response. It's deep
3: rooted, no doubt.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. There are things built inside of us that help us survive. But I don't think that, exclude, that, that comes at the exclusion of what Josh said. I do believe that the, the beauty and intricacy and architecture of the natural world, what it does for me, uh, and, and, I, and I think I speak for a lot of people, it does draw me to a creator. Like, I, you know, there's the old thing about if you, if you walked out into a field and you found a watch, Laying in a field, Josh. Okay. You'd pick it up. And, and then you'd know
3: what time it was.
0: You would know what time it was, but you would go, Who put this watch here? Yeah. Who made this watch? Or a stone point. And you walk out into nature and we see something that's far more complex, far more designed, far more intricate, far more intelligent than the making of a watch. And we we say, Well, should the question be who made this? Right. You know. So to me, that that like a sunrise evokes inside of me a connection, a desire for a connection to my creator. That is not exclusive to. It's also deeply biological and, and epigenetics. Like a my my biophilia. E.O. Wilson wrote a book called Biophilia, which means that deep, we have philia means like a, a, an obsession with right we have a, an obsession with life. We're the only species on planet earth that has an obsession with other animals' lives other than like a prey, like a predator and a right. prey or whatever. But like we're, we want to domesticate animals. We, we're we interested. And that has been the biological thing that's made us so successful is this love of life. And it's like, that's deeply coded inside of us. I think that's also a big part of what makes us human and have this consciousness but what I'm saying is is that you can have this spiritual thing happening and the natural thing at the same time.
4: What were you going to say, Luke? So I was just thinking this is maybe jumping ahead or whatever, but it was just episode four. <laughs> <laughs> that was the uh, the Renella thing I was thinking about. Uh-huh. Um, so he's talking about, what was it, the North Slope of Alaska? The <laughs> North sl- the Slope of the Brooks is Range. It's the most wild. Yeah. Well, what if he's sitting there glassing and he sees a goat with a collar on it? You know what I mean? Does that yeah. make it less wild to him? Does that take away? Is it no longer wild because that animal has been, been molested by man? You know what I mean? Like yeah. I mean, what what's that scenario? Like where's I guess I don't know if that goes into where the line is. I'd be curious to say to I'd be curious to hear what he has to say about uh, he said something that. like that. <laughs> he's he's addressed, yeah, it, he's addressed
3: that before and oh, he really said, oh, he said it would ruin it for him.
4: Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because
3: another human's already touched that. I, you know, I kinda have if the same I sort of have the same world kind world. of
4: thought. I was just thinking about it like, you know, that's the most wild place you can think, but what if that's what he, you know, saw there? Would he you yeah, know like, yeah. like what would he have to say about There's that? There's a lot but. of
0: paradoxes inside of today because because of the scarcity of wilderness, you know, the question is, is there really even wilderness left? I mean, compare, putting a right. collar
4: on the goats, man's you know trying to preserve wilderness. You know what I mean? That, yeah, yeah. that Steve makes it less wild. It's just yeah. like this there are whole some crazy places, thing.
2: I mean, there are some places on Earth that are untouched. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there some places where I think things exist that we don't. I mean, definitely. In the sea, you know what I mean? We have right. we have places where humans have never even seen... Crabbers, only crabbers. Only crabbers. Right. But I, well, I, he said humans. Yeah. <laughs> We're not human. <laughs> but there's some places in Africa that are that are pretty... That they, they don't think... They're so... Um, adverse to Where are you getting this information about Africa? Uh I, I was reading about it's been years since I read about this but they 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 think there are creatures in there that humans haven't seen. Right, it, deep in the jungles. Yeah. But on a
0: landscape level, I don't think Africa is like the place to think about I'm not arguing it, with you. I'm yeah, just, I'm
2: just, I, I I see your point,
0: but I think the bigger the bigger unmolested landscapes in uh, in the world are in the in the closer to the north, the the, the poles. I mean, yeah. Antarctica obviously right. is probably the would would most wilderness be wilderness.
2: more more abundant in places that are more harsh, yeah, like 100%. harsh climate,
0: yeah, because humans are wanting to live in places that are favorable, right, They're
2: comfortable, and so that's why there's no wilderness in Kansas, <laughs> right? It's 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 all very profitable Ohio. land. And what, what we're going to talk about
0: too in in. Episode two. Here we go. Is that there's a thing called the rock and ice wildernesses? The wildernesses that we have today are preservation of places that were unusable, and so that's the reason we don't have very many prairie wildernesses. Imagine having a section of prairie in Kansas. Right. That burritos are ready. Oh, I'm hungry. Um, <laughs> giving away our second Coonskin cap. Imagine having a a four million acre wilderness in. Well, Kansas, what do you right. think,
3: you know, you say the word wilderness, and I immediately think of mountains, mountains and trees. And trees. Yep. I mean, because I see a picture. you
0: have been marketed to your whole life. Oh. Yeah. that That's what wilderness is. You're yeah. a sucker. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. You, you're just uh, the
0: average sucker.
4: Kind a of patsy. a funny thing is, like, if you were to ask a lot of people, like, what's the most wild thing you can think of or wild place? Like, so many people would probably say something like, mount everest you know mm. yeah it's like but there's the least like, wild mountain yeah. there is you oh, know yeah, what i mean just because of dump. the people there's, and you know whatever yeah, else it's just lines of
0: people yeah um no and, and it was interesting so we're building a case that not 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 that it's better or worse but that the american worldview on wilderness is
2: different than the rest of the world
0: and I think by the end of this, you, it, that we're going to quantify that to a pretty heavy degree.
2: You're trying to tell me that Canadians don't care about wilderness? Well,
0: that's what that's what Steve Rinaldo <laughs> was trying to tell us. No, and, and his his point was, I, I left that in there honestly just because it was entertaining. When I was having this conversation with Steve, I was, was like, "Colorful, this isn't working out like I thought it would." <laughs> um, and uh, and then. Uh, <laughs> but I, I I I felt like it was valuable because I wanted to include it because it, he's right like we're not right I, I don't want this to be like wow look how great Americans are we're we're superior to the rest of the world because we have preserved wilderness but at the same time America was the America pioneered for I, I believe this to be true and I don't say this with arrogance and it, we have international listeners don't get your feelings hurt I. America pioneered modern ideas on conservation and wilderness for a lot of the world to follow. I mean, we were the first place that had designated wilderness areas. We were the first place that had public lands that were open for people to hunt, trap, fish,
4: recreate. Like, nobody else was doing that. We also have the—in America, we we have the luxury to do that. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, that's— It's not just from the merit of our
0: own soul. It's like we— Exactly. Uh, you know, Good I boy. I just
4: know from, from dealing with all the things that, you know, I'm kind of dealing with in the, with the Bay right now, it's like, when I really think about it and you think, you know, the whole, you know, we're dealing with issues in the Bay, but, you know, they're dealing with issues a thousand times worse all over the world. And you're like, if you're going to stop the pollution or this or that, like, you got to fix it in China. And India. Well, you know, being able to have the luxury of caring about the wilderness and the animals that live there is, is a very you know it's a privilege you yep. know what i mean it's, it's a first it's a, world it's a product uh, of
0: economic yeah su- economic having it having economics having money prosperity yeah because in a in a lot of the world it's a luxury to be in able a lot to care of the world they ex- yeah. they've exploited yeah. massive amounts of what they have just because they could and 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 we're not exempt either part of america's success on preservation of wilderness was simply that we had a huge continent you know uh Filled with resource, yes. <laughs> that they
4: use the resource there to like become kind of. It's like we just barely, you know what I mean, on a graph, just barely crossed right before it was too late. You exactly. Know what I mean? it's like we came here, basically, you know, took from the land as much as we could, but it put us in a position where we were now we you know we have the luxury of caring about the land that we had right. left you know saving and, this last little and, bit and took 95% to to get there to be able to have that luxury yes. in reality i think yeah that's you a know? great that's a great and, and way and then to we were able it. to take that we you know we had the privilege of taking that 5% and preserving it you know so it's like i yeah. think america just barely saved it you know what yeah. i mean like yeah in a lot I ways. was I was
0: surprised to learn that five percent of America is federal capital W wilderness
2: five percent that's a lot uh, where are the where are the are there like bulks of that in different areas like well, I would think I mean, Alaska if you had listened to the
0: podcast you would have heard that um <laughs> um oh that there podcast? are 806 I'm kidding Josh I, 800 uh, there are 806 federal wilderness areas. right the, the bulk of the 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 big chunks in volume are in Alaska. Okay. Like, there's huge wilderness in Alaska. And then the Bob Marshall um, is a huge wilderness that's in Montana. Mm -hmm. The Selway. Somebody's going to tell me I'm crazy. Uh, The Bob Marshall. How big is the Bob Marshall? Somebody look up how big the Bob Marshall is. I got it. It is a massive chunk of land. Um, We have a lot of wildernesses in the east that are very small, like under 10,000 acres, which are extremely valuable. But, I mean, you could fit all of Georgia's wilderness, every one of them, into, like— a teeny tiny corner of the bob marshall
3: more road. than a million and 1.5 million acres 1.5
0: bob acres. marshall yeah look up some of the other wildernesses in alaska like the biggest alaskan wilderness with a capital w
4: i would argue that the the reason those places are still so wild is because it was not easy to get there and profit off of the land
2: 100 yeah. percent. you know yeah, yeah, it is that, that's, that's true yeah
4: you yeah know, there's no giant cities in alaska that sprawl across the half the place you know because it's just hard to get there and it's not profitable and, <laughs> you
0: know and it's 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 wilderness, saved us. <laughs> wilderness is extremely controversial it's and it's controversial today
3: 57 and a half million acres of designated wilderness in alaska wow 57. out of 222 million federal acres how federal much land. of
4: Canada is is that? I mean Well Canada's not like ninety percent <laughs>
0: probably. I mean, but they're they they do not have federal designation. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean that's a Queens, different country. It's they don't,
3: Queensland up there. Or, or, or Kingsland now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's call land. it.
3: Crown land, yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. Uh
0: yeah, I don't know if Hockey Land. Canada probably has some type of wilderness, but I wouldn't know what it's called. It's not the same as ours. I mean, it's not, we're not counting their land and ours, you know. Yeah. I mean, even it's though Canada, Canada is basically the 51st state, we all know that.
2: <laughs> You're not making any friends right now. <laughs> Canada,
0: I love you. Love you so much. Um, I love really your do. I love Canada. Well. I spent a lot of time in Canada. The geese are excellent. Well, for fear that we're going to spoil <laughs> the rest of these episodes, <laughs> this has been a good, this has been a great start. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love this topic. I'm serious. I, I love it. And I, I do think, That even if, I would hope that people that, human attention span is so small, it's possible someone could be like, I'm not interested in wilderness and not listen to this podcast. I would hope if they did, they would be drawn in and be like, I should be. I should at least have an understanding of this. Because we're going to see how much this idea is tied into American identity. Really. With the frontier thesis, Frederick Jackson Turner, you're going to hear about it. But this is a good place to start. Luke, thanks for coming down, man.
4: Yeah, thank you thanks guys for so much the for having me. Seriously, I really appreciate it. It's uh, it's pretty wild. I yeah, never man. thought I'd ever be here doing this. Truly, so I I'm truly grateful that you guys yeah allow well, me to come it's down been here. A and pleasure. Do this.
0: If you come back, bring more crab. <laughs> yeah. or don't come. <laughs> yeah,
4: right. <laughs> We All have right, the technology. Guys. We can make it happen. <laughs> yeah, we know how to get there. That's right. Now. We know now. My, I have a little hey, you know what? On a watch list now. <laughs> this, this could be... Or just
2: have that, them drop-shipped here when you come.
0: Yeah. It could be a little parachute. Oh, that's no
4: fun. <laughs> yeah.
2: No,
0: if one day... My, my dream is that one day every TSA board in America will have a picture of a blue crab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in right. a big circle with an X across it. <laughs> <there, laughs> and I'll be like, Luke McFadden yeah. did that. It'll
4: be my, my mark on
0: society. Yeah, no no live blue crabs on the plane. All right, guys, thanks so much. <laughs> Ever need something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Errands. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom. Even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So, check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple gear the way you design it. Every product Sportdog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com/beargrease to learn more.